Hello and welcome back to another episode of Nick Tiffany's Movie Reviews in web and print format. We've got audio podcast format on all streaming services and in video on YouTube. Today we're talking about Bill Pollard's latest film, Dreamin' Wild. The first time I was introduced to Bill Pollard was, I think, 2015 uh, for the South by Southwest Film Festival. He had his movie coming out called Love and Mercy, which was the story of Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys, and kind of this look at both an, a younger Brian Wilson and then kind of like a present-day Brian Wilson, and kind of telling the story of this tortured genius who, you know, musically was on a level that nobody could really compare. And, I mean, the stuff he was doing, the things he was creating for the band, the sounds, the arrangements with all these different studio bands was exceptional. Uh, I love, love, love the movie. It was one of my favorites of that year. So when I saw that he was directing another movie and that it was also kind of music-based, I was like, hey, I'm in. You know, whatever he wants to do. It was kind of like when I saw Sing Street and Begin Again. I was like, whatever you're doing, I will go see these movies. And so Dreamin' Wild also is actually, you know, weirdly enough, I live here in Washington State. This is about a couple of brothers, the Emerson brothers, Donnie and Joe, played by Casey Affleck and Walton Goggins. And what this is, is a story of two brothers who grew up in the 70s, released an album as teenagers, kind of at the end of uh, 79, and then nothing. Nothing happened with it until decades later. It was about 2008. And uh, Light in the Attic, it's this music production group out here, this record group uh, out in Seattle. They heard, the, <laughs> they heard the album somehow. It had been picked up in an old vinyl shop somewhere out in Spokane, Washington. And so all these collectors kind of started passing this album around like, you know, this is pretty damn good, you know? You ought to listen to this. You gotta, we got to get this on the East Coast. We got to get this to other people uh, all over the place. And these brothers, I mean, they're they're living off the grid for the most part. Uh, you know, not totally, but, you know, Fruitland, Washington, which is a little ways out of Spokane. You know, the two of them grew up on a farm working for their father, who's played by Bo Bridges. This, this is exactly the kind of movie that I'm always like, I feel like whatever, for whatever reason, I'm, I'm your, <laughs> I'm your target audience when it comes to to music, musical movies, musical biopics, anything of the sort. Um, and Dreamin' Wild is no no exception. This is a film that really, at its core, is kind of about this idea of working for something your entire life and never really feeling like you broke through, never feeling like you got the recognition that maybe you deserved. And for Donnie, Casey Affleck's character, you know, he's highly regarded in the film as kind of the musical genius of the family. Taught himself how to play piano, the trumpet, guitars, drums. Taught himself to mix and to master. All of these impressive things. And, you know, he's doing these all on his own. Obviously, he can't do it all. And so his brother Joe kind of learns how to play the drums. The parents get him a, a drum kit and a guitar. And so Joe learns the drums and learns to play with his brother and slowly over time, you kind of see how this just kind of takes over their lives. You know, hey, we'll work the field during the day. We'll eat our supper. We'll do whatever. And then we're going to go spend as much time as we can making music. And so, you know, the boys pour their heart into this. Their father 
gives up so much to try to help them with this career, with this goal. They make their album Dreamin' Wild. And that was that. You know, nothing nothing ever came of it outside of maybe their little community. They didn't really have much internet or television or radio out there for the longest time. And so it was really interesting kind of looking at the influences they did have that kind of inspired Donnie because, I mean, the music in this movie is crazy. I mean, I'm listening to it and I was like, there's no way this is like a 17-year-old kid singing this song. I mean, it's bluesy, it's jazzy, it's folksy. There's some country in there. I mean, it is deep. And these lyrics, I mean, you're listening to it as it washes over you and you're like, no freaking way some teenagers created this. This is like, it's insane. You know, the production is fairly minimal in the sense that, you know, you're only using two or three instruments most pretty much. Um, So it's not quite the orchestral kind of combo that Brian Wilson was working with, but I see and I heard the same kind of draw. I feel like that the director felt in terms of like, wow, I kind of want to shine a light on this side of both music, genius, the burden that can kind of come with it sometimes. Um, Because, you know, Donnie, I mean, he's a perfectionist. He was the one that kind of kept with music for his life. Eventually met his wife, Nancy, played by Zoe Deschanel, and the two of them write and play music together. And so, you know, the way the story starts is it's just this guy, Matt, played by Chris Messina, comes up to them. You know, they get a call. Hey, you know, I don't know how to tell you this, but your album's being passed around. We want to come and talk to you about it, maybe do a reprint, repress it, get it out there. You know, this is kind of also around the same time when Spotify and streaming services are like, kind of coming into effect and it's the weirdest thing for these brothers who you know are soft-spoken pretty reserved you know despite growing up in washington you know they had a really rural farm life that they grew up on and so the men you know you don't share a lot of your emotion the the pride you know all the the brothers and the dad shake hands and everything you know it never gets too touchy it's all very kept at a distance you know they feel just a couple steps removed from where they were, obviously. And not that that doesn't happen and not that things in life don't change. But when they start getting this news that, hey, people are loving your music and people want to hear more. People want to hear from you guys. They want to hear interviews. They want to get it up on new platforms. These guys are like, you know, they don't know whether to make heads or tails of it. They've had people try and screw them over before for business deals and whatever. But it was really, truly this wonderful and unique happenstance where the whole world kind of tuned in in different ways to this, not only the story of these two brothers and how the album became a hit, but the lyrics, the sounds, the feeling of this album. You know, there were people probably my age at the time, you know, so probably 12 maybe and as old as 90 who were tuning in for the first time and discovering this album together. You know, the advent of Spotify and streaming for music. It was kind of crazy. I mean, I remember CDs. I mean, it was huge at Starbucks because it was like, hey, the Beatles will never, ever go on iTunes. The Beatles will not be on streaming. In fact, we're putting out new pressings of CDs and we're putting them in coffee shops and we're putting them at Target or whatever. And that's how we're going to meet the new generation. It was this rally of physical media 
against the changing time of streaming where, you know, they hadn't even figured out how much are we going to pay artists? How much is this worth? What do you quantify a stream as? How many seconds of listening? What does all that equate to? There's so many of these moving pieces at the time. But the benefit of that was that people like me, who obviously enjoyed the music of my time, sure, I was able to step back and I was able to go and listen to music and discover songs and artists that I'd only really heard of, I'd only heard a couple songs of, or just completely new discoveries that grabbed a hold of my ears and it was like, what am I listening to? How is this not on the radio? You know, obviously it's 20, 30 years old, but it was like, oh my God, this is an incredible opportunity, not only to showcase and share music, but for these artists to kind of get this second wind. We always, I, I say we, my dad and I, we always kind of talk. We've gone to many, many shows out of the White River Amphitheater here in Washington. And the, the idea is the bands that play there are kind of like the, it's the second or third last tour for all these old rock stars. We've seen Journey there. I think they saw In Excess. Uh, we saw the Doobie Brothers, uh, Sticks, all these different bands. And you know, I'm always the youngest guy there. Usually, maybe not anymore, because hopefully other young kids have good music sensibilities and understand talent when they hear it. But going to these shows, I'm like, dude, these guys are like 75 years old, rocking up on stage, having a good time. The crowd's loving it. And it's like there is a market for it. You know, I mean, truly, technology has changed some things for the better. You know, I'm sure those guys love getting back together. I'm like, what else are you going to do after you make music your whole life and then retire? You're like, I'll live a normal life, I guess. You can't give that up. And Donnie never did in the film. And so for him, all of this kind of comes on as like, a, hey, this could be your second chance. This could be the break you were waiting for. But it comes with all of these different, not consequences, but realities where you're like, hey, people love you, but the only version of you that they love was like the 17-year-old you back in 79. And yeah, you can play those songs. It's great that people are hearing it regardless. Your name's getting out there. Awesome. This could lead to great opportunities. But I don't, I don't know if I want to be known for what I did 35 years ago or, you know, almost 40 years ago. I'm a completely different person. And Joe, you know, he's just kind of flabbergasted by it all. It's like, wow, this is heck. If they want us to perform together, you know, I can get my drumsticks and start practicing and maybe we could start hanging out again and do this. And so it's, it's a really multi-layered film. I feel like, um, in a very positive way because there's so much focus on emotion, on resentment, on personal conflict and just feeling like, do I deserve this? You know, this is something that I've always wanted, but now that it's happening, I, you know, I think that it was going to happen this way. This was never how I imagined it. And so it presents the brothers just with a really interesting opportunity and struggle, both to reconcile, come back together, figure out the next move, but then also figure out, okay, well, what do I really want to get out of all of this? The music, I mean, it's top-notch. They use old recordings of the Dream and Wild songs. 
paired with some newer renditions. You know, I was kind of like, is that is that Casey Affleck singing right there? I don't I don't think so. It looked like it. They did do a good job, I feel like, of making it look like it was him. And maybe I'll be proven wrong. You know, if I'm wrong, I'll own it. But I went and I listened to the music after the movie, first listening to the original album and then some of the re-releases in the last five or ten years. And it is just wonderful, wonderful music. You know, it was not the, you know, I've been listening. Travis Scott's got his new album. Post Malone's got a new album. Carly Rae Jepsen dropped some new music. So, you know, I've been listening and rotating some of that. And then I'm leaving the movie and it's kind of dusk out. And I was like, you know what? Let's listen to the Emerson Brothers. Let's listen to Dreamin' Wild. And it was just so relaxing, so enjoyable, and just so not what I'm used to listening to and certain sounds that I think not many people are used to listening to. I listened to it kind of when I was writing my review for this, kind of thumbing through my different thoughts. There's a few moments, not moments, but I would say there's a few portions of the film where the pacing kind of slows down a little bit and you're like, okay, come on. I got to, you know, inject it with a little bit of life here. I don't know if it necessarily needed to be almost two hours. Um, I think they certainly wanted to give the story and the characters the time to fully breathe and to really kind of circle around on the different relationships as well. You know, when the boys were younger with their father versus kind of when they're older. Um, but by and large, uh, I really, I really did enjoy this movie. It's playing in a limited release right now in theaters. I'm not sure what kind of streaming life it's going to have outside of here. If you could see it in the theaters, I would recommend it. Um, especially again, you know, I'm coming at this as a fan of music, as a fan of like music history. And just, I think a really kind of unique story that represents a larger shift in the whole music industry as a whole. Um, Casey Affleck was phenomenal. Walton Goggins is really, you know, he's kind of timid. He's very subtle. It's this, God, I mean, he's like the epitome of, you know, I just want to be here doing this with you because you're my brother. You know, it's like, I know this means more to you. And I know I'm not, (laughs) I'm not even a Ringo star, but, you know, getting to do this is like one of the most important things that's ever happened in my life. Um, and so there's just really, there's a lot of touching moments that I think really speak about humans as a whole and just the cyclical nature of life and the things you come back around to family being one of those things, um, that's also stressed in this film. And so I, you know, I, I really, I really enjoyed this. Um, I don't know if it cracks my best of the year necessarily, but it is certainly a worthwhile story. Um, that led me to just some brilliant, incredible music. And then, of course, the great thing about Spotify and stuff now is they're like, well, you like this? How about we play you some more music kind of like this? And it was like, dude, I'm listening. I'm like, I'm listening to my albums. I'm like, is this still the same album? And I'm like, no, this is something different. It sounds familiar, but it was totally brand new to me. I mean, of course, it's something from the 70s. But that's just the, it's the best part of a good movie and the best part of a good album. You've got all these, this connective tissue to different artists, to different, you know, we're lifting on this person's film, or we're going to kind of reshoot this iconic moment, or we're going to sample this incredible beat from a song. And it just kind of births these new lives generation after generation. So I think for the historical purposes, and maybe my Washington bias, 
I would say go check this out in theaters if you can, if you'd like. I know that I'm like, there's a lot of really great stuff in theaters right now. So I understand if you don't get around to it, but when this hits digital, when this hits streaming, I think you should absolutely seek it out. Keep your eye out for Bill Pollard. I could always use more musical movie biopics, so we can only hope. Thank you again for listening, you guys. Follow Nick Tiffany's movie reviews, NT movie reviews on most social medias. Subscribe to our podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel just so you don't miss out on new releases, streaming, theatrical or otherwise. Big stuff coming. So thanks again.